Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and be sure to check your engine room for tardigrade eggs. Big problem. Joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to have you back. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a month, I guess. It has. It's been a minute. It's, it's been a minute. Uh, how, <laughs> how are your uh, holidays shaping up? Um, t- I mean, this week is finals week, so I haven't oh. thought about anything but that for about two weeks. So on, on Friday is when I'll start playing Christmas music in my apartment and really, really vibing. But uh, <laughs> until then, it's all finals. Until then, uh, it's just books, and then uh, burn the books after that, or at least get exactly. rid of them. Exactly, yeah. yes. Well, that's good to hear, and good luck with your finals. Um, <laughs> it's uh, It's been a tough year uh, for Trek fans, and um, just as we move into the news uh, portion of the uh, show here, yeah. there's no easy way to get into it. Uh, we've had a, a couple big losses in the world of Trek recently. And uh, specifically, I'm thinking about... Um, we lost Aaron Eisenberg uh, earlier in the year, and mm-hmm. then uh, recently the uh, deaths of uh, DC Fontana and uh, Renee Abergenois. Yeah, and um, and uh, Marina Services husband. That's right. Yes, I totally forgot about that as well. Yeah. So it's just been uh, <laughs> it's it's been tough. Um, I know we talked about when uh, we lost uh, Aaron that we talked about how it's just strange that. So many of the principles of all the uh, the '90s and 2000s Trek shows are, are still around, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't know what to say. Um, it's coming so soon after that, uh, losing Rene Albergenois as well, somebody who was a storied actor, you know, and so talented, yeah. and done so many different things. Yeah, um, it's just it's um, it's hard to countenance, really. It yeah, it really is. Uh, so I guess I don't know if we have anything specific to say about that, but I definitely <laughs> wanted to just take a moment to to honor them and uh, also mention uh, Robert Walker Jr., uh, who who did pass away recently as well. And he, of course, played um, Charlie X in that early episode of the original series. And Michael J. Pollard, we lost him as well this year. Another um, character actor with a, with a long, long history uh, who was in uh, the episode Miri, of course. So um, here's to uh, 2020. Everybody stay healthy. <laughs> Please. Around. Yeah. I do. I have, I have a like a, a little bit of a dark humor story. Lighten, lighten the mood a little bit. Sure. You, when you tweeted about uh, DC Fontana passing, I think you retweeted what uh, Michelle Nichols's Twitter account had tweeted. Uh-huh. But you just said like a legend in Star Trek. What can I say? Yeah. And there, and then I thought that Nichelle Nichols had died, and oh my then my phone, my phone wouldn't load Nichelle Nichols' Twitter for like thirty seconds, and there was like a solid thirty seconds where I was like, I'm not ready for this. Right. And like obviously, the past just the past couple of weeks have been, you know, losing Aaron was hard, and the past couple of weeks have been, you know. Uh, tragic, <laughs> um, but uh, Michelle Nichols, I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, um, that that would be tough. Um, we've still still got some of the original uh, series crew, of course, uh, yeah. hanging around 
and hopefully doing well, but it's always really difficult. And especially I have, this isn't really like a funny story at all, but we um, had a con here recently um, where Rene Aubergenois was uh, scheduled to, um, to appear and he had to cancel uh, for personal reasons. And at the time I thought, well, that's too bad. I hope everything's okay. And, you know, maybe he got some more work or maybe he was doing something else. And, you know, it turns out that he was you know, struggling with this illness that I don't think a lot yeah. of people knew about. Yeah, that was just the past. Um, what was it? Uh, Wizard World Comic Con? Was that what it was? What was uh, there a new company, uh, at least for this area? It was Galaxy Con, I believe. Oh, yeah. I think that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wizard Galaxy, it's all the same. It's, yeah. Con. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, moving on to different news. Um, uh, hopefully, it's good news. Uh, it's good news for fans of the book Cavalier and Clay. Uh, it was announced recently that Michael Shaben and his uh, wife and producing partner, uh, Ireland Waldman, have signed a deal with CBS Studios to produce a series based on his uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, and that will oh. air on Showtime. And the uh, and Alex, Kurtz, uh, Alex Kurtzman and Kiva Goldsman will be producers on that project. So that's good news. Uh, the bad news is that he will not be uh, returning in his role as showrunner for the second season of Star Trek Picard. Oh, oh, oh yeah. no. <laughs> they can't catch a break. <laughs> well, there's no word on uh, whether uh, they've replaced him as showrunner yet. Yeah. And, of course, this is, I think. So, of the... course, it will be you and I. Yeah, well, that's that's the goal. And, it's a you know, given, we've, yes. We've sent the letters to the right places, but <laughs> this is like the good Listen, kind of I regime. graduate in May. <laughs> yeah, okay, and then you'll be all ready to go, yeah. Exactly. I'm ready to enter the workforce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the good kind of regime change. It's like, at least he's sort of moving up. I still mm -hmm. think it's kind of funny that, <laughs> that Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writer, he really wants to be in TV, uh, sci-fi TV, but... Um, so they haven't announced that, but of course there's been, you know, issues with uh, Discovery sort of getting up and running and having a consistent um, leader or, or showrunner uh, in the writer's room. So have you ever read uh, Cavalier and Clay? I haven't, actually. I Should actually I? have not either. It's a Ooh. book that I bought a long time ago, and it's one of those uh, nightstand books that I've never actually yeah. got around <laughs> to. Yeah, but it is a, a cool story. It's sort of a fictionalized retelling of the creation of Superman and uh, Siegel Ooh. and Schuster, the guys uh, who created him. So, yeah, well, now i got to read it because it's going to be a TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's whenever I read books that I've been saving. It's like, wait, but I can't see the movie. Yeah, you used to, wait, you used to wait, for, wait for the TV show. Now you got to read it before the TV show, yeah. right? <laughs> well, uh, speaking of TV shows, we've just seen the fourth and fifth in a new series of short films set in the universe of Star Trek Discovery called Short Treks. This week we're talking about two animated short treks, The Girl Who Made the Stars and Ephraim and Dot. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone. So be warned, listeners. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen these short treks yet, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for the trouble, excuse me, for the girl who made the stars is when a lightning storm in space scares a young Michael Burnham, her father aims to ease her fears with a mythical story about a brave little girl who faced her own fears head on. The episode was written by Brandon Schultz. Schultz was a writer's assistant on the first season of Star Trek Discovery, and he wrote the episode Perpetual Infinity for 
for Discovery's second season. And the episode was directed by series director Olatunde Onsensanmi. He previously directed two episodes of Discovery season one and two of the second season, including the two-part season finale. And he also directed the short trek Calypso previously. And the titular story of the girl who made the stars is first referenced in the season two premiere of Discovery Brother, uh, although the version that we see in this short trek is somewhat different than the version that Burnham describes. Uh, I also wanted to point out that this episode begins with a lightning storm in space. Which oh my God. Is, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah which is also uh, referenced in uh, Star Trek 09. I, I don't just, know if there's any anything, connection there. I swear I've seen that movie like 50 times. And so anything <laughs> that's anywhere near a line from that movie, it's like I have like a flashback. Like I'm immediately like I just hear the the freaking audio of the movie in my head so yeah right. she was like a light and i was right, like a, a lightning, lightning storm, storm in space <laughs> right yeah. it's the same thing a lightning yeah. storm in space <laughs> we finally got her down for the night nero's ship comes out of a time warp. <laughs> i was literally like that. okay where is it the mining <laughs> vessel <laughs> yeah uh and i guess we'll just move on to the facts for the next episode uh ephraim and dot the synopsis for that episode is ephraim a humble tardigrade is flying through the mycelial network when an unexpected encounter takes her on a bewildering adventure through space the episode was written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony Marinville. Together, the pair wrote the Disco Season 2 episode, The Red Angel. Silvestri also served as a writer's assistant on the first season of Discovery, and Marinville has worked as a researcher for the first two seasons of Discovery. And the episode was directed by Michael Giacchino. He's an Academy, Emmy, and Grammy Award-winning composer. He's got a list of credits. As long as your arm, you've definitely heard his music, uh, speaking of Star Trek 09. And suffice it to say that he is a frequent collaborator with J.J. Abrams and his Bad Robot production company. And most importantly, he's apparently keeping alive that old Hollywood saw, what I really want to do is direct. <laughs> A lot of that going around. Uh, it might be confusing. Uh, I know it was for me who Ephraim and Dot were in the episode. Uh, they aren't named in the short. Uh, Dot is the robot, D-O-T-7 drone, similar mm -hmm. to the ones seen in Such Sweet Sorrow, the second season finale of Discovery. And, of course, Ephraim is the mother tardigrade here. Uh, Ephraim, historically, was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, distended ostensibly from the titular Ephraim, son of Joseph, and the book of Genesis relates the name Ephraim to a Hebrew word meaning being fruitful, which may explain its use here. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, you learned something new. So what did you think of, let's start with uh, the girl who made the stars. What'd you think? Sure. Um, I, it was, I thought it was very cute. It, I, to be honest, it really, it's like, it made me feel a little bit like when I saw Wonder Woman in the theaters for the first time and all of a sudden I was like on the ver like almost cr fully crying and didn't really know why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um if I'm going to be like brutally honest, I I it uh Ephraim and Dot stand out stood out uh much more to me. But Interesting. Um yeah, little Michael Burnham uh very cute. That's well, okay. I guess we have to sort of discuss them simultaneously then. Um, I, I yeah. kind of went the other way. Oh, and really? I guess I'll just preface my comments by saying I went into this, I think we all did, with n no idea what to expect. You know, this is not uh, filmation in the 70s. Like, this is mm -hmm. a whole new take on this. Is the first Star Trek animated anything since the counter clock incident or whatever the last episode yeah. of the animated series was. And so I didn't know what to expect. And I was um, pleasantly surprised by both. I knew that they weren't yeah, going to be long. Too. And yeah, I mean, they were they were short on their shorts. 
Um, but I did. I think I ended up enjoying the first one. I guess the, the numbers don't matter. I ended up enjoying a uh, girl more than Ephraim and Dot. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it had to do with the animation. Um, I think I, that. Yeah, I agree with you there. The art and the and, uh, girl, I thought was. Yeah. I, much There's more nothing pleasing. wrong with the Ephraim and Dot. It's just that it was yeah. so, I thought it was so striking and so well used with the setting. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, the the Playmobil movie, for instance, just came out, <laughs> made about $5 million, I think, at the box office and cost 65 Yikes. So, you know, if you've got seven minutes, you can make anything look good for seven minutes. Um, but this was like some high quality animation. Like if this had oh, been yes. something in a theatrical film, you know, from DreamWorks or, or Pixar, it, I think it would have stood up. It was um, it was really great. Yeah, I mean it was I mean perfect. Yeah, that's what I I watched with my um with my dad and we were both like it's very Pixar. But I feel like it's just like that's just like a com- it's like a compliment I guess because when you think it's like we're used to seeing these amazing animated shorts from Pixar and almost only from Pixar. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like to watch this and be like, it's just like a Pixar short. It's because there's nothing else to compare it to. And Pixar has this monopoly on gorgeous animated shorts. Yeah. And to, yeah, to compare to that favorably, I think is a, is a really big compliment. Um, the So I don't know if this is like a real folklore story, the idea of the, the girl that made the stars. And as I mentioned before, it was mentioned um, in Brother as this kind of metaphor of this girl who throws the stars like into the sky, you know, from ash mm-hmm. or something, which was an interesting yeah. sort of image. And it gets a little, it gets sort of um, drilled into a little deeper here. I kind of wondered like what the underlying metaphor was. I mean, ultimately it's a father which... telling his daughter a story to give her, you know, courage. Um, but like, it's, it seems like they're early. I know it's not like real, but it's like seems like they're early humans, and they're like visited by an alien or something like that. Which I is know kind it's of not like looking. Okay, okay. Yes, tell me, tell me if I'm crazy. Okay, but like, I have a, I have a thing when it's like it's a cute story, but then the, what happens in the cute story is like an alien visits and gives a gift to an early community of uh, people yeah. like people's, I feel like people do that with like the Aztecs a lot or like the ancient Egyptians where they're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, aliens came and gave Stunky. them the technology. Yeah. And it's like, no, they did it themselves because they were smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> like, <laughs> although, and... you know, in the world of Star Trek, uh, the Vulcans uh, helped humanity out of the ashes of world war three. Mm-hmm. And I think, Star Trek has this weird. I mean, we're t- okay. This is this is a good sign. I think this is a a sign that this is a good show. It's just this little thing about this little girl, but yet we're now we're having a philosophical debate here. I yes. think that Star Trek has always been balanced on the point of humanity is much better than we seem to be. We can accomplish things, and we are incredible, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. But also, um, everybody needs each other. We all need to help each yes. other. We all need yes. community to survive. Um, Because the other thing is, like, it's not like the alien was like, here's the secret to unlock agriculture. He was like, (laughs) guess what? There's, like, stars out there. So 
So yeah. I think it is. I, I, I think it really is a, a metaphor. And I don't know if it, you know if this is a Princess Bride thing. Like we hear his narration, but there's also parts of the story that he's describing an alien, or if this alien is mm-hmm. the real truth of this kind of legend. But mm-hmm. I think the idea that this um, the alien is a metaphor, but if the alien does show us that there is more out there uh, in the the literal darkness of space that we don't have to be afraid of uh, necessarily. Um, I think that that's a good reading. I, I think it falls apart if you if you play with it too much. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, for something that is ostensibly aimed um, at a younger audience, I thought that it uh, I thought it fit well for that. And you know, we we know that the Nickelodeon show, which is still in development, will be a three D animated show. I wondered if these two uh, short treks were sort of. Um, sort of a sampler platters like of what we might get like will it look like this one or will it look like um Ephraim and Dot yeah I have no idea I was honestly surprised um I wasn't sure if these shorts were going to be aimed at a at a younger audience or not and I'm like honestly kind of pleasantly surprised that they were like it felt like watching the animated series like when I was a kid maybe that's why I wanted to burst into tears (laughs) um (laughs) Like, I was very happy that it was because I didn't know if it was going to feel like because they're doing the the like a more adult cartoon as well. Um, And so but I was happy to watch the short tracks that were a little bit lighter and clearly aimed at a younger audience. Yeah, it was I found myself thinking, like, am I going to like this if it's for kids and, you know, find myself being like, yeah, this is this is pretty great. Like, like I said, I don't know if this metaphor works at all, but I was really uh (laughs) I was really uh, engrossed. I was really uh, kind of following it along. Me too. Yeah. Way way more than the past few short treks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, look at our old uh, episodes for more information about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was really excited to see the return of uh, Kendrick Green as um, Mike Burnham. Um Somebody who appeared in like, you know, one brief kind of thing in season two and then was gone. And it makes me wonder, you know, there's all kinds of time travels and stuff. Like, do we have a shot at maybe seeing Mike Burnham uh, (gasps) in the future of the show? Oh, I don't know. I had no idea. She like almost kills herself and travels through time, you know, in order to get her mom back. And it's like, (laughs) where's dad? Uh, no, for real. I was gonna say, like, we've He's got gone. mom. So, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it just you know? I mean, if they're gonna time travel again, that's yeah. the that's the problem with time travel is it opens too many doors. That's the problem with Doctor Who oh, is yeah. it's like w- when you want to remove a character, it's like you gotta really like what is the episode where where we finally lose Rose? You gotta really put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, or you, or yeah, or Adric just uh, augers the ship into the earth, and that's what yeah. that was the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> like, you had to make it like a big, a big deal. Yeah, but I thought it was cool. Like, I would have loved to have seen um, Gabrielle Burnham come back too. But I, and I think that would be the choice since we've seen both these characters before. But to have it be Mike Burnham, I thought that that was a, a nice touch. Yeah, it was sweet. Um, anything else? We're not closing the door on uh, this episode, but anything else that you <laughs> want to say? Um. Uh... Uh, not specifically about the about the first one, I think. I always wonder when I see things like this, and you don't see things like this often, the balance that uh, 21st century humans have with, or 23rd, I guess, in this case, uh, with um, folklore and legend 
versus yes. the sort of scientific future of humanity. Like, is this, you know, at the time that this uh, parable is set, it was probably told to uh, girls and boys in the tribe about, you know, being brave and why, how people used to fear the dark and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's still told now while they are literally living in that dark. Um, Big snick. Yeah, I just wonder, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any real point here. I just think it's interesting that it's it's sort of like these stories still unite us and inform us. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it yeah. still has, a, like, a very, like, a powerful resonance because, you know, Michael is like, it's just us and we're all alone here and all this nothing. Um, that snake yeah. is scary. Oh, it's great. It's a scary snake. Scary um, snake. It's, uh, but no, you're right that it it's much more it's star trek because now we're having this discussion about society and parables it's very yeah it is it makes me really happy honestly after the <laughs> after the after the past few no shade uh <laughs> <laughs> uh well let's move on then to ephraim and dot uh a different sort of thing uh, it's also i think a par- parable or, or a metaphor of sorts yeah it's, it's delivered it's in very... a very fairy tale esque almost yeah I, I got the idea as it starts off and i know okay so you're talking about like things that we were frustrated with before this whole i viewed this entire thing through the lens of a triple serial commercial and that's fair <laughs> that's <laughs> in, valid <laughs> in that to me like it starts off and it's like this grainy film strip or like uh yeah. you know film thing which doesn't make any sense in Here's the, the context. Here's the thing, though. Ephraim, at the beginning of this short, that's how I'm trying to be. Like, she's vibing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> she's vibing hard. <laughs> yeah, she's loving her life. Uh, she's and an expectant mother. finals hit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of school, except for, I know that, like, the whole grainy uh, film thing is supposed to put the audience in the mind of this is an educational thing. And so... As far as, like, I'm concerned, this <laughs> – it doesn't have to fit into canon, but this whole thing is, like, the 23rd century version of, like, a Disney nature film or something like that. You yeah. know, or, like, no, your body no. and you. <laughs> this is, like, an educational the, short. The, the Captain America shorts when he's, like, you're changing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Captain America wants <laughs> you to walk yeah. to school. <laughs> so you laid your eggs on a warp core. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, the tardigrade uh, is uh, meets the Enterprise. And I, I think that um, when I said that I liked this one much more, I completely forgot about the very beginning and the very end with the narration. That was very out of place. And I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it seems like this is it seems like they always want to. I mean, look at Discovery Season 2, but they want to leverage Trek's history and the classic elements people remember. And I still wonder, when are we going to get? The J.J. Abrams reboot of TNG. Not that I want that necessarily, but I'm amazed they haven't done it yet. Man, we're getting that a little bit, I guess, with Star Trek Picard. But uh, here's another clever way to return us to Kirk's Enterprise, this time in the form of animation and uh, sort of selected audio clips. I did. I got to say that first scene when I heard William Shatner, I almost lost my mind. Because <laughs> I immediately knew it's just like that's I don't know, like the original series, the sound of the original series is so much just like 
my childhood and obviously many other people's childhoods, but just like to hear his voice, I was like, oh my God. And then I realized like that it was like Khan and I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then, although then with the second, uh, the second one I think was, uh, was Sulu with the sword. And I was a little like, okay, this is concerning, but I think it, I all of the like cameos per se, I think ended up being more cute because it's like Ephraim chased the Enterprise forever and ever and ever, and the feeling <laughs> yeah. was like right. it's like a little kid story, like Ephraim chased the Enterprise through like a wormhole and past whatever and like all this stuff, and there's Abe Lincoln. <laughs> so I think they were trying to be like kind Abe of like Lincoln. in a cutesy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a cutesy way. Like she chased it uh, for, uh, until you know for ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah, that that it feels like a, a golden storybook sort of. Yeah. I want to know yeah. how uh, naked time can take place after space scene, though. I know they're traveling in time, but come on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had uh, <laughs> Ape Lincoln, like a gigantic Ape Lincoln. Yeah. And then he's like and he shook his fist at them. Hey, what are you doing? I know. I was like me. Oh, wow. Traveling through time. <laughs> what a mood. Yeah, that was it was like a you know like a jukebox musical like a like yes ABBA or something like that yeah yes. that's what it felt like to me like putting references in and um, definitely uh, cute oh man I want to know it, about these robots about Dot it's just Eve from Wally but mean well yeah like fifty years of Star Trek no robots at least uh, you know for for Earth or humanity. And then now we got robots and I'm okay with that. I think that automation would definitely be something that you'd need in the future, but yeah. they had to, they had took like whole, uh, um, like half of discovery season two was explaining why there's no holograms on the enterprise. They're going to need a whole entire series to explain where all the robots came from. I like that. The robot seems to have a concept of vengeance. <laughs> yes. And, and also sarcasm too. Like live yes, long and prosper. Live long and yeah. prosper. It's like die in space, idiot. <laughs> but then also it's programmed to then it was it is cute that it's pro it's like I know some nerd in the programming was like, but if there's eggs, save the eggs. Especially tardigrade eggs. Safe. But if there's an actual tardigrade, just immediate fight to the death. It's on site. <laughs> right yeah any nazis at tardigrade in a spaceship on site like immediate like just glock <laughs> yeah i i thought that it, it had a weird sort of darker tone that probably wouldn't have made it into that uh golden book because while it's beating it up i'm thinking this is a pregnant mother <laughs> like it's yeah. it's just slamming it around and then of course the entire short becomes about oh my god did all of my babies like just die when i, know, I was like this my is god a short, bones, what have i done you've killed literally. all of them's babies yeah i was like i was watching it and i was like if i was watching this and i was a kid i would be so stressed i know that me as a kid i would be borderline i mean inconsolable about those tardigrade eggs <laughs> It all works out, though. It's a good thing or a bad thing. It does work out. Yeah. Then when, course... it, when Dot's freaking belly opens like a seahorse, I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm and... not supposed to love that? Well, you know, there's we can leave the leave it open for I Ephraim and Dot, realized, too. I just realized that I've been roasting everyone for being in love with Baby Yoda, but Star Trek has just done the exact same thing to me oh, with this short. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. They. Oh, man. They, they caught me slipping. If Tribbles had big eyes like baby yoda they'd, they'd get one up there i think you think tribbles i could well, see it <laughs> well tribbles are like, like if tribbles weren't born out of corporate greed the and idea... in this essay i will 
but they're full of fiber, though. <laughs> well, it's funny because you talk about um, the sort of corporate side or the sort of marketing side, and I think this is the problem with Trek. I was thinking about this, and as somebody who's in media studies, maybe you can tell me if this is good or not, but I think Trek needs to go mainstream, and I think it has in a lot of ways gone mainstream, but I think that is the problem in its identity crisis right now because when you are mainstream, then everything has to be an event. You can't just be working off on the side. For 50 years, Trek was for nerds. You know, It, it had an underdog yeah. sort of outside status. But thanks to well, social now, media. The thing is, is now we're living in this time where like science fiction is no longer this separate cult genre. Yeah. It's I mean, and nobody talks about it. And I got a little roasted on a panel last summer for saying this, but Marvel movies, those are science fiction. And nobody says like, oh, frickin' whatever sci-fi nerd garbage. It's like the <laughs> right. summer blockbuster, however much, how, whatever you want to say about Marvel movies and Marvel movies in the past uh, five years even. But yeah. uh, let's like movies like Arrival, movies like The Martian, like science fiction and uh, especially like this kind of like space travel alien specificity <laughs> within it uh that's no longer uh like a niche subject yeah and even if it was it doesn't really matter social media brings all of yes. the fans of that together so nobody mm-hmm. feels weird because they've got a spock poster in their bedroom and they and they don't mm-hmm have anybody to talk to like teen wolf the show uh you know or, or like rick and morty rick and morty is totally sci-fi and yet it has a big mm-hmm. sort of normie fan base who yeah, probably consider I'm... themselves to be like super <laughs> sci-fi fans because everybody yeah. can be in their own communities i was thinking about like this is gonna really I, this goes way back um but when i was in like junior high or high school the metal kids were like oh man where they're off on their own they think they're so, they're so cool nobody understands <laughs> Like metal or whatever. And meanwhile, like on MTV, like everything is metal. It was all this yeah. and that. And they still felt like they were like a, a subset of the population. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that doesn't exist anymore. So I think Trek needs to find and I think it is doing it in, in a lot of ways. But it needs to like keep trying things and be released from that sort of oh, jail. Yeah. And I think the animated series is the, the way to do that or to having animated shorts and even short tricks, I think is the way to do that because I could definitely see a franchise like this. I, you know, I could see like Ephraim and dot going on and doing a thing, or at least looking at the history of star Trek through a sort of comedic uh, soft lens like that. And I could see even characters doing things like they do in um, the girl who made the stars uh, or uh, diving into the more, the personal lives of some of the characters. Uh, Ephraim and Dot children's comic books, trademark CBS. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> call me for my rate. Uh, <laughs> Although they don't um, talk much, so it'd be like a spy versus spy type thing. Like they just, yeah. have to, it'd be all in the art. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I think you are absolutely right. So to a, maybe not the entirety of the identity crisis, but of a a decent uh, portion of it is definitely due to trying to be mainstream yeah trying to work in a, a bigger audience yeah um and i mean it's, it's also like is it, do you need a bigger audience because the the you know the first round even you know even the original series the, i mean the lighter the letter writing campaigns alone yeah. the fanzines like 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, that that's the real, that's the secret. They were never out of the mainstream. It's always been mainstream. But now that um, the Big Bang is off the air, we can finally be treated oh, like God. Again. <laughs> Oh, no. I want to know. Uh, Listen, I see... we got to play Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizards, Fuck. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I want to see a uh, show about the lives of the people that work in the Starfleet Animation Department who are creating these educational films like uh, <laughs> Ephraim and Dot, you know, like a Bob Newhart type thing where we see them oh. trying to come up with uh, pitches for like, well, let's do a story about uh, Vulcan measles or something like that. You know, your body. And, and they're you. like, no, we got to convince the kids to enlist. If we do a story about Vulcan measles, <laughs> they're never the going to leave war? the planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's do one explaining how the Klingons got their forehead ridges. <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, trademark that. Okay. CBS calls for our rate. Uh... <laughs> yeah. This is a this is an ideas room here. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say about Ephraim and Dot or even the uh, girl who made the stars? I don't think so. I'm pretty. I'm uh, very pleasantly surprised this week. Definitely what I needed uh, right before finals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It felt good. Um, and I would like to see. I'd like to see more. And I think that's probably the um, the real test of quality. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, we did it. <laughs> We're happy. We did do it. <laughs> but, but it feels good. I know. Our last episode was such a both of us were just like, oh, what are we saying? Oh, no. And now we're like, yeah, Do we keep just, doing this? Yeah. It's like, are we just going to be sad every week? Live on air? Oh, we saved it. Uh, or they saved us. So uh, that is it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. And if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates and to get notified when episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And tweet to us on the show or about the show by using the hashtag Discoverage. Or you can email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. Uh, while you're on the old internet, why don't you head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it, because it really does help us out. And if you really like the show, tell a friend. That's probably the best way to help us out. Discoverage will return next year in January for the next and last short trek of this batch. It's called Children of Mars and will reportedly be a prequel of sorts to Star Trek Picard. Oh, um, on that note, I was going to mention... Um, have you read the Picard Countdown comic? No. There is a comic out right now. I think it's from – actually, I don't know what company it's from. It used to be from IDW, but I don't know who do Star mm -hmm. Trek comics now. Uh, it's written by Kristen Beyer and Mike Johnson, who's done a lot Wait. of the ID, IDW comics. Yeah, and it is basically like what happens right before uh, Star Trek Picard starts. Not directly before. It's like his last mission in Starfleet. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I was uh, really reluctant about reading it because I thought, I want to go into this show cold. But then I thought, yeah. oh, I mean, it's probably going to be pretty good. And I've been really yeah, impressed yeah. so far. Uh, the, <laughs> the art's great. And it's so weird to see it's it's Jean-Luc Picard on the bridge of a starship, like doing his job. <laughs> I forgot how long it had been oh, since no. I had sort of experienced that. So oh, I would wow. uh, I'd check that out. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm certain that I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and my dad's gonna have whatever just, issues are out in his hand already. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna all all Star Trek print uh, work just materializes in our household without ah. any. It's yeah, <laughs> never have to buy it; it just appears. It's just okay. always here. 
Well, dig into that then. Uh, everybody else go buy it. Uh, in the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. We just recently wrapped our fourth season of the show, and we're currently on hiatus until 2020. So now would be a good time to check out some of our recent episodes or any of the fine programs on the Just Enough Trope Network, available at justenoughtrope.com. Ella, thanks as always for joining me to talk about the short treks today. Remind people where they can find you online. Yeah, we are uh, at Generations Geek on Twitter and every other social media. Um, we have our own uh, separate channel, still uh, pretty new, um, almost wherever you can listen to podcasts. Um, so check us out there. Uh, rate and review. We'll have some uh, some good new stuff uh, coming up now <laughs> over the break. We'll all be <laughs> done with school for a minute. And um, I think think that I'm allowed to say that I'm a guest on an upcoming episode of a local J.R.R. Tolkien podcast called okay. Keep on Tolkien. Right. Uh, so I believe that's K.O.T. Pod on Twitter, I think, but it's Keep on Tolkien uh, just how it sounds. <laughs> and okay. uh, it's an artifacts episode about rings. Ooh, okay, and cool. <laughs> they're talking super fun. I'm looking forward to you talking about your uh, stage experiences or theater experiences uh, in London. And I didn't know oh, that you yeah, got to good. see uh, that uh, Pinter production with uh, Charlie Cox and uh, Tom yeah. Wilson. The Love of My Life? Yes. Oh, my God. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it twice, actually. I saw oh, wow. it once. Um, the day they dropped the tickets, I bought tickets. I couldn't get first row. I got third row. I think first row would have been a little overwhelming, so I saw it third row, and then I saw it again from, you know, uh, the nosebleeds. And, yeah, it was amazing. And now they've been on Broadway for I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I saw Haley Atwell, everyone. Yeah, that's coming yeah. out. I saw Martin Freeman in a Pinter production, too. Wow. Okay, well, was, anyway, it save a... it. <laughs> save yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people can tune into Generations Geek to hear about that. And that's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening this week. We're signing off until next year. This is Aaron Faella saying, live long and prosper. Bye.